Welcome again to another episode of 31 Days of Horror. Today's movie spirals around the Saw franchise. So sorry, so bad. That was so bad. Um, Saw is one of those franchises that's similar to Nightmare on Elm Street and the Jason, the Friday the Thirteenth series. You know, for years, consecutive years, boom, 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 boom. One movie every year, new one, new one, new one, new one, and then it just sort of fizzles out. And then, of course, you get the eventual reboot or you know another one comes along something like that saw i feel like saw is the last franchise to really do that in a very long time and it just happened last year it was last year the year before that they have spiraled the book of saw so we had the final saw just like we had the final friday or the final freddy we had we've had freddy's dead we've had jason goes to hell the final jason Blah, 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 blah. It's never ending. You know why I respect Don Mancini and the Chucky Child's Play series? Because they don't mess around. They don't reboot. They don't They don't say we're ending. They just wait a really long time. Then they go out there and they do another one and another one. And they're always interesting and fresh. Although the last two were not... The last two were so-so. I like the remake, though. But the remake had nothing to do with that. Point being is that they're always just sort of continuing the series. In any case, Saw, you know, they redo Saw. I like the hook. You know, it's aimed at police officers. It's kind of like a police officer whodunit. In a weird kind of way, it has a little giallo flavor with like, you know, the mysteriousness of the whodunit. Same thing, you know, in the vein of Scream, in the vein of, of all those Italian murder mysteries. It's just like really sort of drives your curiosity a little bit if you don't see it coming from a mile away. It also was a super random, weird choice. This is a Chris Rock vehicle. Like, kind of weird to think that Chris Rock was like, I want to reboot Saw. I want to do a new Saw movie, which, you know, I'm totally open to. Like, no no issue with that. Um, but just kind of like, it seems a little bit out of left field. Just the way that Samuel Jackson plays Chris Rock's dad. And Chris Rock has a weird sort of chin beard thing going on that looks like it's totally fake. It looks like it's been plastered on. And, you know, and I, I love Darren, uh, Darren Lynn Bousman. He directed Saw 2, 3, and 4, I think. I really don't know that much about Saw. But, you know, I used to watch them when they would come out and whatnot. I, I think after Saw 4 or Saw 3, I, only, I started to catch them only on home video. I didn't keep going back to the theater. But for those first three Saw movies, I was, I was there. And I watched everyone on home video, and they're all kind of the same, very formulaic. I think it's nice to bring DLB back to the Saw franchise. I'm sure they're going to keep making them, and I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, what I have noticed in comparison to other horror franchises, though, the Saw movies are mean. They're mean movies. They put people in these terrible predicaments, whether they deserve, whether they deserve it or not. And sometimes... You know, even if they, like, deserve it, like, I still don't want to see that person in that predicament. I feel empathy for them, surprisingly. You know, that's not to say, no, some of them really did some not very nice things and deserve what they got, I guess. I guess they got their just desserts. Um, 
Saw is not the first one to sort of do this sort of trap type scenario. They, they're taking a page out of the abominable Dr. Fives, played by Vincent Price. Those were the Saw movies before the Saw movies, and they were better, in my opinion. I thought, you know, Saw, Saw like really sort of spun horror on its head in the early aughts. It was a big game-changing kind of deal. And it kind of took us into the whole, you know, uh, torture, P-O-R-N sort of thing, uh, phase, whatever you want to call it. But it's just a mean-spirited sort of thing. I don't know. I don't know. I started to date, you know, Chris Rocky has a partner who's played by the guy. He plays one of the eyes on Handmaid's Tale, you know, uh, her, her, her baby daddy. And I'll just call him baby daddy because I don't remember his name. <laughs> and I'm kind of getting some fun buddy cop vibes from them a little bit, a little bit. It's kind of like, again, just the way that Predator 2 does the, the lethal weapon thing. I kind of got, there's a little little tinge of trying to do that, but not succeeding. Not like Predator, not like the way Predator 2 did. But it was an interesting angle to tar target cops and like a corrupt p police force. Because that's the thing about, you know, Jigsaw's, Jigsaw's message was always sort of revolving around, hey, like, value your life. He just went about it in a really, like, kind of cruel, sadistical sort of way, you know? Um, what else could I say? Uh, you know, the thing about Chris Rock as the lead, he's a little inconsistent here. Like, he, he goes from being, like, a real asshole to kind of being tender, and it's just never consistent. And the same thing with Samuel Jackson. They just... They, it's so weird to think that he is his dad. They just don't seem like father and son. I don't know why. They just it doesn't it didn't fit well for me. It did not fit well. There is a moment where they are standing in front of a skinned body, and like some forensic cop comes up to uh, Chris Rock and goes, "He was obviously skinned." Like actually, like no shit, motherfucker. Of course he's skinned. Thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I called it, I called it from a mile away that the partner was Jigsaw because his skinned body, we never see him. That's the thing about the Jigsaw traps is we'll see the aftermath and then we see how they got in the situation in the first place. We never see that with the partner. I mean, that's just the biggest red flag of a red herring I ever saw. So it was obviously going to be the partner. They tried to trick us. They thought we were really stupid and they tried to uh, fake his death to throw us off the trail like a good red herring. It didn't work. And, and, and Handmaid's Tale Baby Daddy was, in fact, the Saw guy. And they don't even explain why he's a copycat. Like, they explain why he, did, why he has a beef against the Force. And it's this convoluted thing about his father was a witness to a murder and a, a dirty cop killed him. You know, and he wants revenge on the Force. And just like everything that Jigsaw does, Jigsaw always... The, the answer is always very literal in whatever Jigsaw is saying. So Jigsaw will say something. He'll be like, I want a glass of water. And like, he really means that he wants a glass of water. There's no, that's a bad example. I don't, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I remember there was one of the Jigsaws where um, he was holding a kid hostage and the father was a cop and he's like, I promise you the boy is safe. And the, the, the kid was literally in a safe in that room uh, on an oxygen tank. So I thought that, you know, that's just kind of like the literalness. And they carry that over with uh, Handmaid Tale, Baby Daddy, and uh, the partner. And But, you know, that that's the rule of thumb. If you don't see someone die, then they did not die. Always, in any movie. There's only one exception, and that's Stannis Baratheon in Game of Thrones. Supposedly, he dies. He really does die when uh, 
Sir, uh, what is her name? Lady Brienne, I think it is. When she, you know, the giant woman, she when she runs him through off screen, we don't see the sword come down on him. And for a show as bloody as Game of Thrones, you would think that that would be, you know, that would just be there. Very obvious. I don't know. But, you know, everything that Jigsaw says in general is kind of eye-rolling. So you got to take him, take him at face value. I thought that the worst death by far, I mean, a lot of the deaths, they were all gruesome, man. The tongue and the fingers. But I thought the hot wax suffocation versus severing your own spinal cord and being paralyzed was really bad. That was really terrifying to me. I thought that was pretty, pretty, pretty horrible. And, you know, I figured right then and there it had to be a cop because, you know, if they're getting access to the cold case department in the police station, obviously it's going to be a cop and obviously it's going to be the the partner. And, you know, <laughs> there's so many moments here that the tone is so, like, off that anything that's supposed to be serious and dramatic actually comes off of funny. A great example of Chris, Chris Rock walking away from his boss Angie's death and he's like squinting into the camera he's like he's like it's just so <laughs> it's like you're trying not to laugh it's like he's trying not to laugh you know um one of the final traps is the glass blower glass bottles breaking and shooting glass it was pretty pretty ridiculous i i will say without a doubt the ending was ballsy the ending was so ballsy it, you know, go, uh, shooting, you know, a black man with, you know, a gun, you know, like Samuel Jackson's, he's the head of the police department and he, he holds up something that could be construed as a gun and he gets blown away by his own SWAT squad. And, you know, I'm sure that was Chris Rock's, you know, Chris Rock has done a lot of, a lot of his comedy is around, you know, his racial commentary. And so really good stuff, a lot of it really good stuff. And you, I'm sure that that he wanted to inject that in there as well. It's very reminiscent of Night of Living Dead, which we're going to talk all about on Tuesday. Oh, boy, it's going to be a big thing. All right, that's it. We'll see you in two seconds for the next review because I did these back to back.